Hey moms, welcome to the Gather Moms podcast. My name is Kate. And I'm Rebecca. We've created this space just for you because we're both moms and we get you. Yes, we believe there truly ain't no hood like the motherhood and we need to be in this together. We also believe we can't mom well without Jesus. So you're going to hear us talk about him too. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Gather Moms and make sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. All right, mamas, let's jump in. Hey, mamas, welcome to episode 24 of the Gather Moms podcast, and we are here to wrap, ooh, hello, Christmas Christmas pun, up season two of Mama with the Christmas mamas. That's what we've been talking about these last couple episodes are the moms of Christmas, Um, and we are closing it out with the mamas of Jesus, which are the five moms listed in the genealogy of Jesus. I thought you were about to say Jesus had more than one mom, and I was like... (laughs) I'm confused. I don't remember that part from the Bible. We're calling them the mothers of Jesus because I have been reading this book called Hidden Christmas by Timothy Keller. Do you call him Timothy? Tim Keller. You guys could not more highly recommend this book. So before we started recording, I think Rebecca told me to get this book years ago. (laughs) She does not remember ever reading it. Um, But I pull it out at Christmas and Oh, this might be TMI, but I keep it in the bathroom and just kind of like read a little bit, read a little bit. That's such a good little word. <laughs> Moms, you just put some things in the bathroom, maybe some knitting, some reading. Yeah. Whatever. Just catch up If your husband there. can sit in there for 45 minutes, like if I don't know where Jeremy is, that's where that man no, is. No, no, no. It's my teenage son. Oh, we is have he doing that now? We have a new era where he says he's going to go take a shower and then he has to use the bathroom first. Uh-huh. And then an hour later, I'm yeah. like, I'm sorry, I don't even hear the water running. No. What's up with that? No. What? So it starts early for boys. And yeah. then it just continues into manhood. Well, and don't you think, it wouldn't take so long if they didn't have a phone with them. If you took the phone away, <gasps> would they be in there for so long? So I should make a rule that you can't take your phone in the bathroom. Yes. Okay, I'm going to try that. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's gross, too. Oh, my gosh. This is a whole tangent. Yes. You know, I looked at, um, on the Black Friday special, they had those, like, blue light phone cleaner things. Because, you know, they say that your phone is dirtier than a bathroom. No way. Yeah. So you should be, like, cleaning your phone with something special? Yeah, well, they have these blue light things that, like, kill all the microbes and stuff. But, yeah, but, you know, otherwise, this is just a PSA, people. Take your phone right now. Take out the Lysol wipe if you can find one in COVID. I know, right? We can't find them. <laughs> what are we doing? Get some antibacterial wipe and wipe down your phone. Can I use hand antibacterial gel? Can I just take my gel and, like, yeah, rub it sure. all over the phone? Just don't let it seep into the <laughs> holes and, you know, mess up your speaker and stuff. <laughs> But I have barely started doing that. When I get back in my car, if I touch my phone, like when I was in the grocery store, I clean my phone. I can get kind of neurotic. Well, okay. The whole point of this is I read this book in the bathroom. I really love it. It is called Hidden Christmas by Tim Keller. And there's a chapter in it called The Mothers of Jesus. Ooh. And that inspired this episode because I saw this in a new light in a way that I had never thought about it and thought it would be really fun to talk about here. I love it. And I am pretty sure that I read it a long time ago. And because I'm 40. Too, I can't remember anything, <laughs> and so I, I'm. It's like a first time for me. I'm so excited to hear what you're gonna say. Okay, good. So, as we're talking about Christmas, you know, I think as moms, we are in charge of 
being the Christmas passer honors. Like we are in charge of at, passing on the traditions, having the Christmas knowledge, you know, that's part of our role, Wrapping right? all the gifts. Yes. Knowing what everybody's getting. Yes. So to make sure that you know your stuff in case your kids ask you things about Christmas as you are the Christmas passer honor, I have some Christmas trivia for you today. <laughs> and based on my performance in the last episode, <laughs> I'm going to fail. I really, I really, these are... These are a uh, low. What are what's it called? Low hanging fruit. Okay, but you know when you like low when you lob a ball like it's softball. Softballs. Thank this you. Is a Good softball. Okay. Can we make it a foam Nerf ball? Yes. Okay. These are foam Nerf balls. Okay. okay. Here we go. What was Frosty the Snowman's nose made out of? A carrot. Corn. Okay. Oh, son of a. That's cut. what you put on a, a corn cob pie, Banna. But no. <laughs> and two eyes made out of coal. <laughs> that was a trick question. Like, no, it's not. Trick question. It was yes, not it was. a trick. Okay. What was the first company that used Santa Claus in advertising? <gasps> Coke. Coca-Cola. There you go. Yes. Santa packs are coming. Santa packs. Do you remember that? I do not even know the song. Oh I have gosh. no idea what I you're singing. I feel like that was early 2000s, but there was like this train. And it was the first time that they had like... Um, the Cokes in, like, a box that they called them Santa Packs. You know, the cans really? of Cokes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, I didn't know that. Okay, how many ghosts show up in A Christmas Carol? Three? Four. <laughs> I couldn't name them all, but my trivia answer The Ghost of Christmas four. Past. Uh-huh. The Ghost of Christmas Present. Uh-huh. The Ghost of Christmas Future. Uh-huh. I don't, I don't know what the other one is. Ghost. I don't, I, okay. Yeah. We don't watch that at Christmas. Do you watch that? No, it's super dark. Yes. No, my son asked me to watch it the other I've seen the play a couple of times, but the movie is dark. There's even like a Mickey version, but that doesn't yeah. make it any better. No, I think no. it's dark. Okay. Okay, the movie, here's another movie. The movie Miracle on 34th Street is based on a real life department store. What is the department store? I want to say Macy's. You're right. Ding, ding, ding. Because it's the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, right? I don't know, man. Do they have the parade in the movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah, and then Santa's yeah. at the end. Yes. And it's like a big deal. Yes. Okay. Okay, here's another movie one. In Home Alone, where are the McAllisters going on vacation when they leave Kevin behind? Uh, London. Paris. Paris. <laughs> is Paris in London? London, Paris. Paris, London. Oh, man. <laughs> Paris is in France. <laughs> Oh. London is in England. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I think they make it to Paris. Yeah. Yes, they yeah, do. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Oh, this is another movie one. All right. What is Ralphie's little brother's name in the movie A Christmas Story? I, this is one of those movies that I never got into. Really? No, so I can like see him in the pink bunny, but. Okay. This is the little brother. brother. They put the little brother when the mom would get him all ready to go out in the snow and he like yes. couldn't move his arms. Yes. You know, and he like fell down in the snow and couldn't get up. His name was Randy. <gasps> Randy. <laughs> Ralphie and Randy. You remember when that kid, when Ralphie put his tongue on Oh, that that's pole? my favorite scene. Yeah. That's my favorite scene. Because I did that one time in the freezer. I got my finger stuck in the freezer because I had like spilled water. Yeah. And I could not unstick it. I had to scream for my dad to come help <laughs> me get it out of the freezer. Yeah, I remember that. I can't watch it as an adult. I can't watch that tongue stuck to that pole. It's you know nasty. That's fake. I know, but it's nasty. Come on, that's fake. Okay. Which Christmas song contains the lyric, everyone dancing merrily in the new old-fashioned way? Come on. Rocking around the Christmas tree. Yes. Okay, good. Okay, I, good. I felt like you would know that from our last episode. Okay. I think you put that one in there to make me feel good. Which one of Santa's reindeer has the same name as another holiday mascot? 
I know that's kind of confusing language, but there's another holiday that has like a, you know. Mascot. You know, okay. yeah. Dasher, Dancer, Prancer, Vixen, Comet, Cupid. Cupid! <laughs> yes! <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> okay, what was the highest grossing Christmas movie of all time? Is it current or old? I, I don't know. It just says of all time. It's a Wonderful Life. Home Alone. Oh, yeah. that's new. Okay. Do you like Home Alone? I do. I love Home Alone. Do you like Home Alone 2, Lost in New York? I do. I like that one, too. Yes. 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 We love it. I just feel so bad for Macaulay Culkin. You do? Because I just feel like his career went downhill after <laughs> Home Alone. Oh, he had some real struggles. Right? He did. Like, yeah. I just don't think it went on for him. No, you right? can't think about that. And now when you see him as an adult, he still looks like the kid from Home Alone. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think it was hard for him. Child actors will do a whole episode. Oh my gosh, was there hard? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, visions of which food danced in children's heads? Sugar plums. Good job, Becca. Um, Okay, what is the best-selling Christmas song ever? Mm Best-selling. Joy to the world. White Christmas by Bing Crosby. Then why is It's a Wonderful Life not the biggest grossing movie? If we're going to go old school people, let's just bring it all back. Let me tell you something. I don't like It's a Wonderful Life. I think it's depressing. I've never watched it. Really? No. With Clarence and then, it, you know. No, I remember the angel wings. That's the angel, only part I know. That's the no, only he's part gonna, I like, know. he's going to, like, commit suicide. Like, it is very dark. Okay, but that's kind of <laughs> legit right now. I feel like it's like a COVID <laughs> oh, movie. Come no, on. I here we go. That. I need Home Alone. I need Elf. I need Happy Things. Okay, last question. Who wrote, Christmas doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. The Grinch. But the Grinch didn't write it. Who's the... <laughs> Who's the author? Dr. Seuss. Yes! Okay. Yes! <laughs> you should feel so good about yourself, Rebecca. You did great. Okay, now, just for the moms out there, you know, I feel like at Christmas, maybe you need to have some jokes under your belt, some good laughs. Oh, yes. So I have a few little jokes These for you These are mom here. jokes? Not um, dad jokes, but yeah, mom jokes? Christmas flavored. Okay, are you ready? I'm ready. What do reindeer say before they tell you a joke? This one's going to slay you. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Okay. <laughs> here's a here's a good one for the patriarchy. How is Christmas exactly like your job? You do all the work and some fat guy in a suit gets all the credit. Oh my goodness. I love that one. <laughs> that is hashtag truth. I feel that way every year on Christmas. I'm like, I bought these presents. I, I hope your kids aren't in the car. I wrap these presents. I put them under the tree. Uh-huh. My husband has no idea what's in the packages. No clue. No clue. Yeah. They open things and he's like, oh, that's a great idea. I'm like, uh-huh. yeah, we were supposed to decide that together. Okay. Without a doubt. Yeah. Jeremy's like, what are you getting me for Christmas? Um, you, the, All the surprises <laughs> you're going to see when the kids open their presents. Yeah. Okay. What does Miley Cyrus have at Christmas? <laughs> Twerky. A work a wrecking ball? <laughs> a twerky. How does a sheep say Merry Christmas? Bah. Nope. Fleece Navidad. <laughs> I like that one. That one's cute. Okay, so we've been talking about the moms of Christmas. We talked about Elizabeth. We talked about Mary. And now we're going to talk about the mothers of Jesus. Um, because when we tell a Christmas story, we so often start with Mary and Joseph, right? You yes. know, when you're kind of going through the story, that's where you start. Mary finding out she's going to have a baby, Joseph, all that good stuff. 
But in the Gospel of Matthew, when Matthew starts out telling the Christmas story, he starts by sharing with us Jesus' genealogy. That's right. And we find genealogies all over the Bible, right? They're in Genesis, throughout Numbers, in the Old Testament. Began. Yes. And it's always the part that you have to, you know, if you're asked to read out loud in, like, Bible class, Mm -hmm. and you don't want to read those because you never can pronounce all those Mm -hmm. names. That's right. Right? Mm -mm. You're like, and you know, because you just... Nobody can pronounce those. Listen, correctly. you're the one that looks things up on the internet and has them pronounce it for you out loud. So I think that you should be the reader of the genealogies because oh. you know how to say it. Well, yeah, I don't know. No, because in all those begats, I mean, well, and that's what numbers is like a, a census. It's just a taking of all the people. Yes. And so you're just reading those names after I names. just think it's so funny when it's like really hard names and then John <laughs> and then really hard names and then Sarah. Like, why didn't everybody get a clue and yeah. just start naming their kids Simplify the easy it, ones? I know. What are we doing? I know. Okay, so biblical genealogies are typically made up of the man as the head of the family and then the children he fathered, right? Women generally go completely unmentioned. Even though we are the ones pushing the children mm. out. Thank Interesting. So much. As we know, in the Jewish tradition, you know, it was extremely patriarchal. Women had no legal rights and were completely subject to their husband's power, right? Yes, um, to the point where I've heard it say, uh, we were studying, there's a, it's called the great Shema. It's in the old Testament and Jewish families still say this every day, but it's, you know, love the Lord, your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And so they would say that every day. And in Jewish tradition, they would add on this line where they thanked God each day that they had not been created <gasps> a slave, a Gentile, or a woman. What? Yes. And so, you know, I don't know how many people still practice that today, but I remember reading and studying that. And those men were thankful that they were not in that subject position. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Okay. Mm-mm. So the genealogy was the pedigree, right? You, having your genealogy was like, this is who I come from. Yes. This is how I prove my Jewish lineage. This That's is how, how you I prove, prove dogs' lineages, too. <laughs> Yeah. You said pedigree, yeah. and I was like, listen, we got friends having some puppies. They be telling who the dad is, exactly. who the mom is, what kind of, like, I don't know, authentic authentication. Right, because yes. it shows that they're a purebred, right? Yes, yes. And for Jews, that was extremely important to show I'm a purebred, right? Yes. I have Jewish lineage. All of my people have Jewish blood. This is who I come from, right? So it was a big deal to have these lineages to know where they came from. Um, and so the, when we look at genea- Jesus' genealogy, knowing all of that, it's kind of surprising to see who is listed because knowing all these things we know, this is going to go a little bit differently than the, all the previous genealogies Because that's seen. what Jesus did, people. Okay. Came on the scene, changed okay. it up. So it's a little tedious to read the whole thing. You can go and read the whole um, genealogy in Matthew chapter 1. It's a little bit of a beat down, I feel like, for our listeners to like, hear all of them, <laughs> and I would butcher so many names. So I am just going to give a highlight of the names that are particularly noteworthy Ooh, to us. a highlight. Okay? I love this. So I'm going to skip around, but this is in Matthew chapter 1. It says, this is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah. Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. David, the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. We'll come back to that. Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Thus, there were 14 generations in all, from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. Get it. I love it. 
Okay, so this is the first time in genealogical history where five women are mentioned. Not one woman, not two women, but five women. Because we are important. Okay. Yes, we are. So there's five women mentioned, which is just just hugely significant. Not only that, um, but when we look at these women... Often with these particular names that were mentioned, there is a stigma attached. So I don't know if you remember the story of Tamar is a little bit it's a less, hard story. Yeah, um, but but uh, she had um, her husband's died. She ends up sleeping with her father-in-law Judah. Um, he was also in the wrong in that situation, you know. But that's what we know of her story. Yes, but Jesus came out of that line. That's right. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have uh, the the next one that's listed in here is Ruth, who we know was a Gentile. She was not from, a foreigner. Yes. Right. She was a foreigner. She would have worshipped foreign gods before she came to believe in Yahweh. And then we have. Um, Rahab is also mentioned in here. Yes. Rahab was a prostitute and yes. a spy. Um, and did, is that all five? Oh, and then we have, it says Uriah's That's right. wife. Yes. Which is very interesting. And scholars debate why Matthew chooses to not call her Bathsheba. Why did they call her Uriah's wife? And one scholar noted that this is, this is, the, this is Matthew putting David on blast. This is Matthew calling out David's sin that he took Uriah's wife. Oh, I see how that makes it. Yes, that does make it more pointed towards David. So it's not a slight at Bathsheba by not calling her name. It's calling out what David had done. Okay, Matthew, we friends. I like it. So many people, um, when they read this list, they see these these five women, excluding Mary, and they say, oh, these these women have a sordid past, and that's why that they're included in this list. Well, you guys, Uh, all the men. Yes, they did. All the right? men in this list have a various sordid past too, yes. right? Yes. And have all kinds of sins involved. And so I would say um, that that is not the reason that they are included here. And my first challenge just from reading all of this is that, number one, that we would stop painting these women as their one sin. Amen. Right? Yes. That we would see them as a whole redeemed person. Yes, Tamar had this incident with Judah and she was dishonest, but God redeemed that and it actually calls her out as faithful. Yes. You know, we have Rahab who was a prostitute, but she believed in God in the middle of this city where no one else believed. She believed and she was cur- she was courageous and she stood she up for She put her men. life on the line to save those spies. Correct. We have Ruth who left everything she knew to go and be with Naomi, and she was faithful and honorable in the way she served her mother-in-law. We have Bathsheba, who lived this life that she did not choose. She was handed a deal that was not something that she chose. Her husband was taken from her. She um, was betrayed by David, and yet God used her to have Solomon, right? And so there's just all these stories where it's a whole person. It's not this one thing that happened to them. And so that would be my first challenge. Let's stop painting these women as this one scandal that we remember about their lives. Well, and I think it's important for us today because we can all look at our past and think about something that we did that I think, oh man, I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I hadn't made that choice. I wish I could go back. And so to know that God sees a whole person, just like you're saying, it means that he forgives my sin and it's in the past. There you go. And he can write a new story for the future. Yes, that's exactly it. And that's what I would say. I would say um, that we would see them as a whole redeemed person, that we would see us as whole for redeemed sure. people. For sure. 
that 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 I would argue that he didn't put that Matthew didn't include these women in the list because of their scandalous past because the men in the, the in there had scandalous past too that actually probably why he included them was because they were gentiles um, because remember that part of God sending Jesus was to flip this whole thing on its head where there had been this division that existed between Jews and non-Jews. Now unity was being created because of Jesus. And so these women that are listed here are Gentiles, except for Mary, because you know it was prophesied that Jesus would come from the Davidic line. And so she had to be Jewish. Um, but so we are united as the people of God and united as moms in God's story. I think that's incredible. Well, and I think if we if we if he had included five perfect women, that would not be an example no. to me at all. It would make me honestly feel bad about myself. For sure. Because I would think that I was not worthy to be included in God's script because go. of my mess ups and sins. And the same for men. It's, I mean, again, God is showing us that it's not one, like men are not better than women. Women are not better than men. We are both in need of a savior. There you go. And so I think it's gracious of him to say, I chose imperfect people Mm -hmm. to do my work through and you're going to be imperfect too, but I still want to choose you. Right. And Jesus is ushering in this this new fulfillment of this truth that was true from the very beginning. This is the people had got it wrong, that men are not better than women, that Jews are not better than non-Jews, that, you know, a free person is not better than a slave, that we all have equal standing under God. Yes, right. Right. And for Matthew to put these women in Jesus' genealogy is showing that he realized that Jesus was ushering in a new kingdom. Yes. That Jesus was ushering in something different that had been in the past that where before women did not matter and did not have rights according to Jewish law now they matter and you better give them a seat at the table because Jesus does I love that so I wanted to read to you that I know this is kind of slightly tedious to do on a podcast but honestly I tried to kind of rework some of what Tim Keller said to reiterate it you know and then I thought no this is so beautifully said and honestly reading this was what stuck out to me so much and made me have this conviction that we need to share this on the podcast that I just want to just give his words justice shout out Tim come on read this little part to you okay so he says Here then, you have moral outsiders, adulteresses, incestuous relationships, prostitutes. Indeed, we are reminded that even the prominent male ancestors, Judah and David, were moral failures. You also have cultural outsiders, racial outsiders, and gender outsiders. The law of Moses excluded these people from the presence of God, and yet they are all publicly acknowledged as the ancestors of Jesus. So that's what we just said, right? Yes, yes. Okay, so Keller goes on to say, what does it mean? First, it shows us that people who are excluded by culture, excluded by respectable society, and even excluded by the law of God can be brought into Jesus' family. It doesn't matter your pedigree, what you have done, whether or not you have killed people. If you repent and believe in him, the grace of Jesus can cover your sin and unite you with him. It is not the good people who are in need and the bad people who are out. Everyone is in only by the grace of Jesus Christ. It is only what Jesus has done for you that can give you standing before God. And so I love that. And that's the very last line he says. He says, in Jesus Christ, prostitute and king, male and female, Jew and Gentile, one race and another race, moral and immoral, all sit down as equals, equally sinful and lost, equally accepted in love. God is not ashamed of us. We are all in his family. Oh, I love that. God is not ashamed of us. No, God was not ashamed of those women. He chose them. He used their stories. Yes. He gave them a seat at the table, like you said. 
And then he uh, moved on Matthew to include those women in the genealogy. Yes. And now all these years later, we are looking to these women as inspiration that I too can be found with a place in God's kingdom. Yes. No matter my past choices and sins, just like you said, if I repent and I come to Jesus in need, he will accept me. Yes. You know, because just like you were saying before, he could have, you know, we were talking about how typically in a genealogy, you want to list the very best, right? right? You want to show why, why I'm so worthy to be here. What makes me stand out? Why I'm pure and best. And, you know, potentially Matthew could have used Sarah, Leah, Rebecca, some of these women that had basically from Old Testament study, more upstanding character in our eyes, right? Right. And instead, these are the women that he chooses no, to include No, I didn't even think about story. that. I didn't think about the women he didn't include. Right. Because there are more of them that are right. part of the story. Right. But he really did. I mean, oh, everything Jesus did in Scripture is so thoughtful. Yes. So thoughtful. So for me, there's a few things, you know, here that I want to take away. The, the first were the first two that I mentioned, that first of all, that we don't stigmatize these women from the Bible by their, you know, that one scandalous sin that sticks out, and therefore we don't do that to ourselves. And second of all, that we realize that we are united, united under Jesus and united as mamas. So we aren't here to say, I'm doing better than you in this thing or that. I'm set apart from you in this thing or that. No, we are united as believers in Christ and united as moms. We are all on the same team. And then I guess for me, my next takeaway would be that there's a legacy that's being created that we build on one another. You know, Um, certainly my great grandmother wasn't perfect and neither was my grandmother or my mother, and I won't be the perfect mom. But we are all by the grace of God being used by God to create this, his people, Yes. You know, he allows us to be part of furthering his kingdom here on earth. And and we just are all part. I love seeing that list of all of those women who are part of bringing in Jesus. You know, no one woman did it by herself. We're all in this together. No, that idea of like standing on each other's shoulders, yeah. you know, that even from the very beginning with Eve, who many people have stigmatized yeah. because she ate the fruit first, you know, that's that was part of God's plan and that he had a plan to redeem us. Yes. And so she's a part of that lineage too. And those women that you mentioned that weren't included, they're like Sarah and Rebecca and Leah. They're included too. Yeah. And if somebody were to write a story um, in a hundred years, we might be included in that lineage too. Right. And we're all standing on each other's shoulders. Right. And when I think about my kids and I have a daughter and she's going to be a mama one day, I know she's not going to be perfect. Yeah. I know she's going to make mistakes and far be it from me to put a weight on her shoulders that I didn't have to carry because I'm right. not perfect. Exactly. So I need her to understand that we are a part of a line of people that have made mistakes but had a God that rescued us from that. There you go. There you go. Instead of trying to whitewash over the bad things that have happened in our histories or in our lives, you know, God doesn't do that. There's mm-hmm. no whitewashing. Look no. at this list of Jesus. Yes. This is not the best and the perfect and the brightest. This is who God redeemed. This is who God used. And, you know, for me, those dark, scandalous places, man, that's where God showed up and got a hold of my heart. And so I don't want to keep those from my children or from when I share my story. I want to be real about those parts because those are the places where God did so much work 
You know? Isn't that funny that really when you think about Christmas now, it really is like this perfect picture. You know, mm-hmm. we all want that perfect Christmas morning picture, yeah. matching pajamas, happy smiley faces. Yeah. And when I look back on our Christmas mornings, <laughs> oh my gosh. there were actually very few of those. Yes. You know, somebody yeah. wakes up in a grumpy mood. Uh-huh. You burn the cinnamon roll. Uh-huh. The somebody... kids are not thankful. No. Yeah. And so it's like we're trying so hard to put on this picture of perfection that's not really there. Not. When God has set the stage for us to not, it's not really there either. No. Like this is why he included these people he did. So maybe we all need to post our crazy, didn't work out like we expected Christmas morning pictures Listen, instead of the perfect one. The story of Jesus is messy. It's messy, you know, and we live in this culture of everything looks just so, you know, you've got a perfect filter on a picture and you captured that one moment where everybody Mm -hmm. was smiling and happy. And we feel like that's how we're supposed to live. And Jesus shows us the beauty is in the messy, you know, the beauty is in the imperfection. The beauty is in those moments where we didn't have it all together. And so he was holding us together. You know, it makes me, um, like it's a good word for our moms as they go into the holidays, because I do think there's a lot of us that carry stress for the day of Mm. what's coming with the family gatherings. And I know that early in marriage, when I would go home after holidays and it wasn't perfect, you Uh would feel really responsible for that. Yes. Like I should have done something different in order to make this day smoother. Yeah. Whereas now if we go into it with proper expectations of something's going to happen today, that's not going to be right. Right. And when I go home tonight, we can talk about it and we can ask for forgiveness and we can move on. But I want my kids to know that I'm going to love them regardless of what happens today. You know, yes, I thought and planned and prayed and wrapped that present and just knew you were going to love it. And you're not going to react like I want you to, but that's okay. Yeah. Because God's given me a lot of gifts that I did not react properly to either. Yes. And that way our kids see in us an authentic person that represents the whole person, what you said at the very beginning. It's the whole person, not a highlight reel. Yes, I love it. I think that's a good word for us going into Christmas. So my question for you, kind of walking away from this, and I know this is kind of on the spot because I didn't ask you this question before, but, you know, if as we kind of close out this season of Mama and looking at all of these moms from the Bible, what do you feel like, what do you feel like is going to stay with you, you know, in the days ahead from all this time we've spent talking about these moms? I think my hope from the beginning of this was to help women see from a different perspective the women of the Bible. Mm. That often in the church, we are told Bible stories from a young age that maybe make us think differently about these characters. And so I think we were able to shine a light on their insides, mm-hmm. right? What was going on in their life at that time? What struggles were they having to overcome? How were they taking a hard situation and making the best of it? And that is more applicable today in 2020 than ever before. For sure. How are we taking these hard situations and making the best of it? And remembering, just like with this genealogy, that God is such a good God. Mm -hmm. And even when I think as moms, we can compare our story with another mom and think, I feel like she got an easier road. Mm -hmm. Or her life just looks so much better than mine. I wonder if the women of the Bible, if they were all seated at a table now, would think the same thing. Yeah. Like, um, man, it was easier for her. She got a better story. Or her, her husband didn't do that to her. Yeah. But yet God chose to include them all because he doesn't write the same story for each of us. Mm. And out of each of our stories, your personal story, Mama, has value yeah. for your family and your kids. And God wants to use that story to make a difference. I love it. And so there's no reason for you to look at your life and think any less of who you are. Yes. Because God loves you and he chose you. 
So for me, I think I would piggyback off of that, that that's what stands out to me the most. I think, um, I think what has stood out to me is how critical women are to the story of God and how I don't, I just don't know if I saw that in the way that I get it on just such a deeper level now about how much God used the women, you know, I mean, without Pharaoh's daughter, is there Moses, right? You know, without, um, Without Rachel is that without Rebecca is there Jacob, without Ruth is there Obed. Obed, you know, yes. there's, you know, how how does it happen without the women? The women matter, and not to put the women as more important or to put them on a pedestal. No, but I think sometimes as a mom, I can feel like does it does what I'm doing matter? Does when I wash the dishes and I vacuum the floors and I tuck my kids in it? Does it matter? Yeah, it matters. It matters because God is using me in his story to accomplish his will. And just like the women in the Bible, they were critical to the story. I'm critical to the story of God. Well, and there's so many people that we don't have listed. Mm -hmm. So many more people that were critical to the story that for some reason their story was not told in scripture and they were not in the genealogy. Yeah. And I think that's a reminder to us as well that um, just like we talked about with Pharaoh's daughter and Jochebed, she was a wonderful mom, but for some reason God took Moses and put him in Pharaoh's house. And so there are moms today that maybe won't get the recognition or um, the trophy or the thank you for doing a good job. And so if nothing else, we want to be the ones that say to them today and to you today, Thank you. Yes. Thank you for showing up every day. You matter. You matter. God sees you. You are critical to his plan here on earth. When you're wrapping those presents, it matters. When you're packing those lunches, it matters. When you're waking up early in the morning to take a kid to practice, it matters. When you're up in the middle of the night with a crying baby, it matters. God sees you, it matters. You are critical to what he's doing. And just like the moms of the Bible, you are the moms um, in this current world that he's using to accomplish his will. And we're so thankful we get to be a part of that community with you. Um, We are so thankful to have done season two with you and talked about these mamas and we cannot wait to share with you the vision that God has given us for season three of the Gather Moms podcast and we hope that you'll stay with us. Do not forget to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And as our Christmas gift, would you go and leave a review for the Gather Moms podcast? If you are loving it, um, would you let other moms know so that if they're checking it out and wondering if this would be a good fit for them, they read your reviews uh, to know if they want to press play. And so if you would stop and take a moment to do that, it would mean the world to us. Hey, just today I sent an email to another mom friend and I thought, you know what? I don't think I've told her about the podcast. Uh So I just put a little blurb in this email. I said, hey, if you need to laugh this holiday season, why don't you check out this podcast? It's so easy to share it with somebody. It's so easy. So easy. Yeah. So you know what? If they don't listen, that's okay. But go ahead and just reach out and let them know about it. Because really, it's the best Christmas gift you could give us. (laughs) It is. Thank you for being here. You matter. We see you and we will see you again in season three. Bye-bye.